Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Eagles visit the Bucks at the new Sombrero. And we'll get you ready for that matchup. Also, we've got offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, who says he's kind of numb after Sunday's game. And Ryan Fitzpatrick says he's playing the best football of his career. The Rays open a huge series against the Oakland A's. We've got all that in a rundown of the state's college football games on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, before we get started on this podcast, i got a fantastic offer and exciting news from our friends at Continental Wholesale Diamonds is going to make your jewelry selection experience unforgettable. And this offer is only... For our listeners, Continental Wholesale Diamonds is sending you and that special person to the Caribbean for a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise on us with any minimum purchase of just $2,000. So that means you can also choose the cruise line and you get to choose the destination in the Caribbean you wish to explore. And with Andy offering you wholesale pricing and the quality you deserve with your jewelry selection, you know that you're receiving the very best when purchasing from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So do me a favor. Call Andy today. He's at 813-282-7375. And remember, let Andy know that you heard it from Rick and Steve on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. So the Bucs, uh, with their home opener this Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending world champs coming to Raymond James, and this is going to be a good one. Um, you know, no one expected the Bucs to be sitting here at 1-0, let alone how they did it with Ryan Fitzpatrick, the player of the week with four touchdown passes and ran in for a score as well. And then, you know, this is, this is a battle, Steve. It's kind of interesting. You've got the super subs, if you will, the two backup quarterbacks, uh, probably as, as as good as anybody in the league right now. Nick Foles and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I mean, all Foles was, you know, did everything for them. It's going to be a while before Carson uh, Wentz comes back. It should have been Wentz and Winston, <laughs> but uh, instead we got Foles and Fitzpatrick. Just move up the alphabet a little bit. You know, I, I like this game from the standpoint. It's not going to be like the New Orleans game at all. I think you know, New Orleans high scoring both teams, both at least on that day, driven by their offenses. Look, the Philadelphia Eagles have an elite defense, and they're struggling on offense right now. Um, now watch, they'll come in here and score 40, but uh, and against this defense, that's possible. And, of course, the Bucks have big problems on defense because Brent Grimes still has not practiced. Um, he has you know, got the groin injury. doesn't look like he'll play this week. Vernon Hargraves was put on IR. So you're really looking at someone like Orion Smith, who, who struggled last season at corner. Um, or, you know, then, of course, you got the rookies. Carlton Davis is going to have to start more than likely, and then you have M.J. Stewart. You might even see Jordan Whitehead in the game at safety if they, you know, decide to to do some things and and uh, you move, put Justin Evans in at the slot. So Mike Smith has his work cut out for him, and um, I, I think I, I still think last week's game was, was such a surprise and, and probably the harder of the, of the three 
Um, but this is a great opener for Bucks fans, uh, and I, I think it's going to be exciting. And I think, I think the Bucks are a confident group. I mean, we still don't know if Deshaun Jackson's going to play because he's out there. Uh, he did practice, but he's in the concussion protocol and he has a shoulder injury. Um, but we know they're confident. We know the way they're throwing the football. Uh, and, and it's really, you know, when you talk about these two quarterbacks, I, I had a chance to talk to Doug Peterson, the Eagles coach, and he was a guy that backed up Brett Favre for years and years. Now, he didn't play a lot because, of course, Favre never missed a game, and he had some time in Miami and other places too. But, you know, the mentality of a guy who, who knows he's talented enough to play in this league, who has been a starter in this league like Foles and Fitzpatrick have both been, um, but, but to now be in different roles, when they come in, um, to be as successful as they have been, that's that's a different type of job. And so I asked Peterson, you know, what what makes these guys able to 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 do this, not play for long stretches, and then be just excellent when they finally get in the game? I think what what happens sometimes, especially with backup quarterbacks, is one they're, they're seeing the game from a distance, they're seeing it from afar as a backup. You know, the starters getting all the reps during the week, obviously playing on Sundays, and the backup is just is processing all of this information and 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 just basically saying hey if, if given an opportunity i'm gonna either do it the same or i'm gonna do it like this and and i think that's the case with both nick and and, and ryan is you know they've studied the game for so long they're veteran players they they listen they've they've started and played in this game in this league too so you know you can't discount that and and i think being having the ability to process all that information Given the opportunity uh, on the field, you can see what a, what what Ryan Fitzpatrick can do. You know the what Nick Foles can do, and, and I think it's just a credit to them for their preparation uh, throughout the years and and how they you know get themselves ready for game day. So of course the big story last week was Todd Munkin taking over the play calling, and we know how that went badly after the game with Dirk Cutter still not really giving it up, if you will, to Tom Jones, and they got into kind of that back and forth but uh you know since of course beginning with monday you know dirk cutter acknowledging that that munkin is the play caller and today or yesterday we had a chance to talk to munkin who obviously got the memo because he started out by talking about first of all i thought um led by coach cutter i thought our offensive staff put together a really good plan i mean that's the first part putting together a really good plan uh, we've got really good players and I thought they executed the plan about as well as you could. And it is to an extent. That's how game plans are made. Uh, you know, you go over sort of situational football and what's your best play, and then they get with the quarterbacks and you stack them a certain way uh, in order of, uh, of his preference. And so uh, from that standpoint, it is a collaboration. But there's no denying that what Todd Munkin did in his first game as an NFL play caller was special. I mean, franchise record. 48 points, could have had three more if Catanzaro doesn't miss an easy field goal. And, you know, just the attack, the attack, attack, attack. Now, he said that they got a lot more man coverage than they were anticipating against the Saints. And so, you know, it's one thing to get it. It's another thing to actually beat the man coverage with your receivers and then actually put the ball in places where your guys can catch it. And they were so hot throwing the football and almost from the start. And the fact that you know, the Saints came out, drove the ball length of the field very easily, scored a touchdown, the Bucks answered. Saints come down, get a field goal, the Bucks answered. So, you know, being able to, to answer like that gave them just a ton of confidence. And it, it's really unusual. Uh, of course, you know, we mentioned that the Bucks this is a tie to franchise record in terms of points. 
but you just don't see teams, you know, essentially score on almost every their first five possessions they scored on. They didn't punt until halfway through the third quarter. So it was the execution was as as crisp and as good as you could have ever hoped for when you draw up these plays and the players made it work. But in talking to Munkin, you know, he admitted, I mean, you know, imagine how he felt going downstairs knowing he had just hung 48 and, and won a game in that environment against that quarterback. I was kind of numb. You know, when it goes like that, you're a little numb. Like, are you going to wake up? You know, like, I mean, I'm serious. You know, you're like, that doesn't happen very often. You know, you 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 react to it because you're, you just reflect back to all the things that you worked on in camp and with the guys and the meetings and all those things and talking about receivers and their releases and holding their lines and giving guys a chance and all the things you work on, you're going, boy, you know, this is fun. You know, this is, this is, uh, and you're relieved, you know, um, you just are because all the work you put into it and um, to see the guys execute and see their excitement, that's what you do it for. It, see their reaction in the locker room and, and the coaches and all you put into it. So it's, uh, there's nothing like, there's nothing like winning. There's the, it's, I know that's a simple statement, but there's, um, you know, you got to enjoy it uh, when you can, and then you got to move on to the next week. If you don't think it was important what Munkin did, all you had to do was be down inside, you know, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome when all the players were coming off the field and they are being greeted by, uh, as they always are, by Joel and Brian Glazer and, and some of the Glazer uh, uh, family. Uh, and they were really excited. They were hooping it up. They were hollering and going nuts. And then all of a sudden there was this sort of intersection of Donovan Smith, the Bucks' left tackle, and Munkin, who had just come down from upstairs. And, I, I mean, I thought Smith was going to crush him. I thought he was going to kill him because he started off by, you know, sort of punching him in the chest a little bit. Then he grabbed him by the collar um, then he ended up with a chokehold on the guy. Um, but the enthusiasm and the excitement, you could see that, that these players, and especially in the case of Smith, really felt great about the game that Munkin had just called. And, of course, they were able to execute everything. So we asked Munkin, what did you think when Donovan Smith started to choke you out? No, I thought he was just going to give me a little dap, and he uh, sh- shook me like uh, if you've ever seen Happy Gilmore when he shakes his caddy or something. I felt like that guy on there. As far as the matchup goes, just remember, even though these guys are defending Super Bowl champions, it doesn't mean squadouche the next year. We witnessed that in Tampa Bay with the Bucks, who looked like they were on their way to winning three or four of these things. Uh, and, of course, they, they sort of imploded the next year, and that was it. But, you know, the Eagles right now, in addition to not having Wentz, and, and I don't think they're concerned about Foles. We know what he can do. He won the damn Super Bowl. But... Uh, they don't have Alshon Jeffrey, who is just starting to come back and do some individual things, but it looks like he's, you know, going to be out of this game as well. And you know, from a from a passing standpoint, they're offensively they were bad against Atlanta. You know, um, well, their receivers Aguilar. only had nine catches for forty three yards. Yeah, yeah, and eight of them went to Aguilar for like thirty three, right? Yep. Yep. So I mean, it was it was god awful. Uh, you know, they'll run the. You know, they'll run the RPOs about eight or ten times a game, which puts a little stress on your defense. And we know, uh, in talking to Doug Peterson, he loves, you know, the Philly Philly and Philly special and Philly whatever the hell he wants to go. And last week, you know, it actually, in the opener, uh, which has been seems like a, a month ago, but it was, you know, Thursday night uh, or so a week ago, he, he ran a Turk play that was actually the play that I think New England had run and that Brady dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got them going. They had nothing going in the game, and it, it was a 15-yard 
um, game for them, and it, it sort of it sort of gave them a little bit of a springboard. Um, but they're struggling right now, and and they're not in sync, and they don't, you know, Foles has not been very accurate, and uh, so you know there's there's a chance that their offense will sputter a little bit, even though they're playing the Bucks defense and they have no corners. And if you're ever going to have make some hay, I'm sure they're licking their chops saying. Look, these guys gave up 40 last week, and they and now they don't have Hargraves, and may not have JPP. So, as bad as they were last week, they could be worse this week potentially. But the strength of the Eagles is their defense. Make no mistake. I mean, Fletcher Cox is as good a defensive tackle as there is in the game, and you know you combine you combine that with um, you know some of the other guys that, and they even picked up Haloti Naga to play defensive tackle. Jordan Hicks is, you know, their new Mike linebacker is phenomenal. You got Jalen, Jalen Mills and, um, and, and Ronald Darby, which is of course, Jameis's friend that seems to show up at all the bad places, but he played a great game against Atlanta. I mean, and then Malcolm Jenkins, of course, patrols the middle at strong safety, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a defense that is basic. They don't do a lot of exotic things, really. They don't, they don't bring a ton of blitzes, they don't switch, you know, corners to your top receiver, but they play it. They play it very, very well, and I, I would say they're elite. Uh, they were the best defense, really, in the league last year. There hasn't been a whole lot of drop off, I don't think. So if the Bucks can score points against these guys, now the other thing is they're they're more of a single high safety team. It's going to be hard to throw the ball over anybody's head, and and their 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 defensive backs will play off a little bit. So you're going to have to beat zone coverage this week, um, and. Mostly, you're going to have to try to run the ball because you know they they can really rush the passer, and if you get in third and long, you're you know Fitzpatrick's going to be in trouble. It never got to that last week. He was only hit twice. He wasn't sacked at all. So the offensive line did very very well. Um, but I'm anxious to see this game, and I think I don't know if it's a sellout yet, but there'll be a lot of Philly fan there, obviously. And um, this is uh, you know building off the momentum of what they had in New Orleans, I think this could be a really interesting game. I think it could be, and, and I'm really looking forward to see how the Bucks' defensive line does. And, mm-hmm. and I know they may be without JPP, but you know yeah. we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now. It, with New Orleans, with Drew Brees, he gets the ball out so quick, you don't get a lot of chances at sacks with him because he's going to get mm-hmm. rid of the ball quickly. That's correct. Nick Foles is not that way. That is also correct. Yeah. Um, now they got to uh, account for the RPO options with him, which you don't see with Drew Brees. But I'm right. curious to see how this defensive line does now that they've got a opponent that's going to spend more time dropping back when they're when they're in a pass situation, and and see what the what this new look defensive line can really do. Um, yeah, and Foles likes to throw it down the field more than you know. Mm-hmm. Brees gets the ball out quick to the flat, and and you know when you got a guy like Kamara, you play to your strengths, and that's what that's sort of what he does. Whereas Foles, you get the feeling that he he kind of want to wants to launch it all the time, so it is a different it is a totally different challenge for their defensive line. And to that point, and I don't know whether you're a big believer in this or not, guys changing teams, but you got Bo Allen and Vinny Curry, who are obviously part of that Super Bowl team, mm-hmm. and you wonder if they can impart any sort of like little nuances. I, I mean, it's never about the plays, right? It's never about I picked up uh, this cadence or that check mm-hmm. or whatever. But what it is about is they've been on the grass with these guys. You know, they've gone up against this offensive line in practice. Mm-hmm. They know what that offense is trying to do. They know what Foles likes to do. Um, so from that standpoint, they probably have a lot of information that they can impart on the Bucks coaches. Um, but that's an interesting side plot to the story that, 
you know, typically guys really when they when they get to play their former team, um, they really want to go hard and have a good showing. So the Bucks have two of those guys on their defensive line that quite frankly need to step up. I mean, they they did get a sack out of Vinnie Curry, but that was it. One sack a game and you're not even gonna get back to where you were a year ago when you were last in the league. Well, and Vinny may have a chip on his shoulder too. I mean, he wasn't expected yeah. to be cut like he was last year. And it was for salary oh, yeah. cap reasons, but Bo Allen was going to be a free agent. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And everyone knew that, but Vinnie Curry was a surprise to everybody. You know, the, you know, the Bucks, if you remember, had already signed Bo Allen and Mitch Unrein, and then Vinnie Curry became available. And so they picked him up, too, in free agency. Right, and that was a big signing for them. And, and yeah, he, he would be the guy that would have a chip. And, you know, JPP, we're talking to him, and, of course, he's got the Giants game circled. But he goes, look, man, he goes, if I'm those guys, I'm, I'm going to be steaming mad because they didn't want me, you know. And certainly in the case of Curry, that was true. So, you know, that, uh, and I, I do think there are some things that a, a guy on a, you know, can tell about his former team. But at the end of the day, everybody changes everything. And, and uh, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be a big advantage for him. Well, there's, a guy, a, a there's a guy, JPP, too, who goes up against the Eagles twice a year. He does, and he you know, doesn't he's like He's got him. familiarity with the <laughs> Eagles. What, but, I mean, you know, to even help and, and give more No, he knows them, yeah. yeah. He knows what they're trying to do to him. And, I, I, and, again, I don't know if JPP will play, but he has – you know, when you played them twice for nine seasons, you do get you do get kind of a feel for the organization and for a lot of the a lot of the offensive linemen over there. So, a good game, interesting game. Uh, the Bucks, I think, are like three three and a half point underdogs. If you're into that sort of thing, which I'm not, and and the, for recreational prove, purposes only, of course. Right, and I can prove to you that I'm not uh, any good at it because last week I would have been among the very few that uh, picked the Bucks to lose, or so it would seem based on my emails. That uh, that I'm an idiot, and how could you not pick the Bucks over at the Saints? Um, well, it would, that part was easy. Not as easy this week for me, but so that I don't upset any Bucks fans and, and change the mojo, I'm going to pick Philadelphia again. <laughs> I'm <laughs> saying that the Bucks are uh, not going to win this game. But um, but to be honest with you, to be completely honest with you, I think they have a good shot at it. I really do. Um, but I I you know I'll go with Vegas. I'll go chalk. And I'll say that uh, maybe the Bucks cover, but uh, they don't win the football game. Don't ask me the score. I think it's going to be much lower scoring. There's no way either team's going to get in the 40s, I don't think, um, even with those rookie corners, which they'll absolutely go after. But um, there you have it. Uh, we'll see, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be a good game, really exciting game. Around the rest of the NFL, some interesting games right here in the NFC South. Carolina's at Atlanta. I know Atlanta's favored in this game. I think Atlanta has issues, and I'm going to tell you why. I think Matt Ryan's arm is shot. I, I I watched some of the throws that he made in real time, then watched them again on the replay on the game pass. Oof. That ball is not coming out very fast. There is no velocity on it whatsoever. And, and Atlanta uh, faced Carol- a good defense in Philly in their first game. Carolina's legit too. They're better. They have a legit, legit defense. They're they're the best defense in the division. 
Um, they held Dallas to what eight points last week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're the real deal, and and they can score more points than they did a week ago. They seem to always match up well with Atlanta. They're a bigger, more physical team. Uh, it doesn't seem to matter where they play. So even though Atlanta's favored, I I got. I got red morning lights going off on Matt Ryan, and I think Carolina's probably going to win that game. The Saints try to bounce back, and they have just an abysmal record in September, especially at home. I mean, I don't know how many years now they've lost a home game in the first month of the season, but they get to host the Cleveland Browns, who, hey, give it up for the Browns. They broke their losing streak. The not long national nightmare is over, but they didn't really No, they didn't didn't open the – the, the Bud Light uh, refrigerators yet, did they? I think they had to w- actually win, not just not lose. Oh, is that what it required? I, I believe. I don't th- I don't think they opened those fridges yet in Cleveland, the ones well, that they've only got locked the Cle- up in bars. Yeah, only the Cleveland Browns can break a long losing streak by not winning. <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, I mean, really? That's such a Cleveland thing. It's like, hey, you guys, you you didn't lose. That's great. You broke this. this so what was it? You won, right? Uh, you No, you tied. They're 0-1. Oh, that's their best start since 2004. <laughs> so you, so so then actually the winless streak is alive then, right? We still have a winless streak here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know it's how okay. many games in a row they haven't won. I mean, it was 16 last year. I don't know what they they won one game the year before that, but I don't know which game it was in that season. It's such a Browns thing to do and then um I think this is a good game the Chiefs at the Steelers. Uh, this Patrick Mahomes guy, I mean, he can really throw it. Steelers are the other team that tied the Browns, so they got to be looking to get in the win column. The Steelers, the Steelers are 0-0-1. They could lose to the Chiefs, and then they come to Tampa Bay on Monday night. That could be rough. They could be 0-2-1. They'll be desperate at that point. Yeah, if, if they lose to Kansas City. But, you know, you know on Monday night football, especially in towns that don't get it very often, how mm-hmm. crazy the crowd's going to be. Tony Dungy's going to go in the Ring of Honor that night. It'll be electric, yeah. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay fans are going to be lit up. No doubt, in more ways than one, I'm sure, um, for the eight o'clock start. But yeah, I, I think that uh, I think the Steelers could be in trouble fast. And in that division, your Cincinnati Bengals are looking strong. All of a sudden, they are. Uh, as we tape this uh, podcast, it is the third quarter. They're up twenty-eight seventeen early in the third yeah. quarter. So it should have been twenty-eight seven at the half, not twenty-eight fourteen on a ticky tack pass interference call. But yeah, so say you. It was Mr. pretty ticky-tack for a 31-yard penalty. I mean, that's yeah. – I know why they do the spot foul for pass interference because – Oh, but it's otherwise, Otherwise, you know, anytime you bomb it, you're just going to pass interference and give them 15 yards. I understand why. You'd, you'd grab every guy, yeah. But what you don't want is a ticky-tack one being called for that, for a big that's penalty. True. I mean, that's, that's where the downside of it being a spot foul instead is, you know, it was so ticky-tack where, uh, you know, most of the time you're probably not calling that, but they did. So oh, you can it, move. I mean, and he did have a hold of the jersey, but it was pretty ticky tack for you know as far as truly interfering. But mm. you know they called it, so you deal with it. Yeah, I mean, some sometimes these penalties can be like sixty yards, which is just mm-hmm. really a lot, a lot to flip the field on you completely and, and set up touchdowns. The Vikings are at the Packers. I still don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to play, although it you know would, would indicate that he did since he finished the game. The last time out, uh, well, he I could like just wait till the second half to come in, and then he could. Rally them. But I that mean, might be know. that might be too late against the Vikings, yeah, who have be, a yeah. really, really good defense. Um, and you know, Kirk Cousins is doing a nice job for them. So, I think the Vikings are the best team in that division, and I think they're probably going to prove it. It's not then, the Lions. Uh, not ooh, 
Wow, what a bad debut. You know, they fired my man Jim Caldwell after two nine and seven seasons, mm-hmm. which in Detroit, I'm sorry, but they should probably have a parade for you if you go nine <laughs> and seven there, don't they? I mean, they're the original I mean, 0 and 16 team. Yeah, my man Rod Marinelli, may he, you know, I mean, one of the, it's the saddest thing because one of the best coaches I've, seriously, I've ever been around, Rod Marinelli, defensive line coach now with the Dallas Cowboys, was with the Bucks during those glory years. And for whatever reason, I don't think it was all on him. I think it, it was not a good product when he got there. When you go 0 16, it's on everybody. But it's on everybody. I was going to say, and it's sad. It's sad that he, that had to be sort of, you know, thrown on him. But boy, Matthew Stafford, look, it was a it was a horrible, horrible effort there. Uh, the other game I think is interesting, just uh, up the road a little bit. New England Patriots at the Jacksonville Jaguars in a rematch of that AFC title game. Um, I, eh, I get the Pats in this one too. I'm not a big believer. I don't know why I don't believe in the Jags. I mean, they because you don't believe AFC in Blake Bortles. That could be it. They had a lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, right. you know, it it just doesn't it doesn't stand to reason that they couldn't take these guys at home, but. Most people don't yeah, believe in them because they don't believe in the quarterback, and it's a quarterback-driven league. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Certainly would. A lot of college football on hand as well. We got uh, USF is going to see a discouraged. I go back to disappointed. Lovey Smith, they're at, Illinois, they're at Illinois. Is that game in Chicago? I think it is. Yeah, it's at Soldier Field. It's at Soldier 3, Field. 3.30 on Saturday. Be beautiful uh, chance for people to get out there in, the, uh, in Chicago and watch a football game. So USF coming off a big win over Georgia Tech. They have a chance to take down uh, now a Big Ten team. And another so, Power you know, 5 school could go down. Knocking the them the off, list of baby. Power 5 schools that they've knocked off in the history of the program is amazing. Oh, it is. It is for sure. Florida State's at Syracuse. That's going to be a little bit like a track meet. Those two teams can get up and down speed-wise. I really um, like Syracuse's coach, Dino Babers. I think this is his second season. Maybe it's his third. Go he was at Bowling he's Green, he was go at Bowling Green yeah. before there, but – um, I really like Dino Babers. He's a really good coach. Somebody's going to gobble him up here before long, but he's at Syracuse now, and that's all that matters for the Orangemen. Um, that's going to be a tough game for Florida State up there uh, in the uh, in the Dome. Colorado State, this is a funny game because this was the Jim McElwain Bowl, and now McElwain is nowhere near there, but Colorado State is at Florida. Now he'll be in Ann Arbor playing SMU. Yeah, you think your big blue can take those guys down? I think, I think SMU uh, doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll see. Um, and then uh, Miami's at Toledo, always tough Toledo. And then uh, the UCF-North Carolina game, of course, canceled uh, for the big hurricane. So, so if they that, if they uh, got a myth- mythical national championship last year, do they get a mythical win for this one? Absolutely. I think you so can't the, put North – They're now 3-0? 3-0 or 15-0. and How okay. do you want to look at – Or <laughs> this would be actually 16-0. So uh, I think you just keep adding them up. And it might be more than that unless they – lost their last game the, the previous year. I'm not really sure. But, yeah, we give them the mythical win over North Carolina. You know they would have taken down the Tar Heels anyway. The Tar Heels are a pretty I mean, bad hur- team. <laughs> yeah, hurricane or no. Yeah. They, no. They'd have gotten, they would have gotten that one done. Yep. The other big event, though, uh, Steve, and you may have something to do with this over the weekend. I don't know if you're uh, producing over there or not. but uh, uh, I will be big, at the Trop. Oh, big series at the Trop. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland A's. Hey, now, kudos we, to Baltimore, who helped out the, the Rays on Thursday night, beating the A's. So the Rays are now phenomenal. eight games back of the A's in the wild card, only seven games back in the loss column. Right. Which means so a, sweep let's say this they weekend, sweep. a sweep this weekend, yeah. you're four games back in the loss column. With about, what, eight to two play weeks or something to, Two like weeks that? to go. 
two weeks to go. So, I mean, this is not – they'll have to sweep them, I believe, and they're fully capable of doing that to anybody. But this is not This is not over yet. It's mm-hmm. not over till we say it's over. I mean, they're sitting here with 80 wins. They have a good chance, a good look at 90. And, and, and assuming uh, the Yankees take the first wild card, which that's in doubt now because the A's are only a game and a half behind them. Wow. But if you tied Oakland for the second wild card spot, game 163 would be in Tampa. Well, that'd be sweet. Because you took three of four from the A's there, and assuming you'd have to take at least two of three, if not all three here in in, uh, Tampa this weekend. So at that point, you'd you'd win the season series. So the the game 163 would be held in Tampa. And you know what I would do? I'd immediately sign Dan Johnson. I don't know what he's doing (laughs) these days, but he's going to pinch hit. (laughs) He's definitely going to go up there and slap me a home run someplace. Maybe have like Evan Longoria bobblehead or something, you know, bring him out. Take a little take a little break from the Giants. But uh yeah, that's I'm I'm kind of you know, I would I'm thinking about going on Saturday down to the trop because I want to see good baseball that matters. And think about this. I mean, I again, you know, I don't know what the odds are that they could ever make the playoffs, but this does have playoff implications. And here we are in late September and to, to have a raise, you know, a series that matters, I think it'd be kind of a cool atmosphere. I hope a lot of people go. They have $10 tickets in some areas. Um, so if you got nothing to do on Saturday, you know, hey, head over to the Trop and watch these guys. They can certainly use your, uh, use your support. Well, Friday night, it's Diego Castillo starting for the race as the opener, going against former Tampa Bay Ray, Edwin Jackson. God, Edwin Jackson's got to be 50 years old. Uh, well, he started pitching in the majors in 2003, so 15 years ago. So he and is, I'm going to say you you can add this up if you want to if you have his bio there. But he's 35. I'm going to say I'm going to say he's played. Now let's count. If you played for the same team, you count it twice. If it's different years, okay, let's do that. I'm going to say that he has played for nine different major league teams. He plays for the Dodgers, the Rays. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The Tigers, uh-huh. Diamondbacks, uh-huh. White Sox, uh-huh. Cardinals, uh-huh. Nationals, uh-huh. Cubs, uh-huh. Braves, uh-huh. Marlins, uh-huh. Padres, Wow, Orioles, Wow, Nationals again, <laughs> no way, and the A's. Fourteen teams, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Fourteen major league teams. So, which hat's That's... going on his Hall of Fame plaque? Uh, all of them. Well, I, I don't. I hall, mean, but. <laughs> I know if he did. That's crazy, isn't it? What a tour around the Major League Baseball. Is there a guy that knows more about what it's? I mean, that's that's on that's crazy. It just goes to show you, like as old as he is, if he can get the ball over the plate, eat up some innings, ah, you got a job for life. It's like he's a Supreme Court justice. He's never going to stop playing. That's that's phenomenal. Edwin Jackson, who once threw a no-hitter against the Rays for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it was one of the wackiest no-hitters you've ever seen. First of all, the dude threw 149 pitches. They left him out there, hung him out there to dry because they couldn't take him out. And the reason he threw so damn many pitches is he walked eight and he hit a batter. And, and another, another guy reached, reached on an error. Yep. They had 10 base runners and a no-hitter. Come on. That's who, I, that's who Edwin Jackson is. Well, 10 base runners and a no-hitter. And normally, if you're going to get 10, you probably would score a run or two. Well, you, sure. you had no hitters, but they won that game one nothing. the Diamondbacks. Oh, did. they had their chances, my friend. Mm-hmm. I, it was frustrating. I can remember watching that thing and thinking, man, that's, that's unbelievable. But he was part of 
By the way, he was part of the 2008 race, I think the world champion race, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was on the team from 2006 to 2008, yes. Got a World Series ring back at the Trop this weekend. So go go see those guys. I mean, if you get a chance and you love baseball, I think it's going to be an exciting series. Hey, we thank you guys for listening to us. We're here every Monday through Friday. We love your feedback. We'd love for you to uh, get a hold of us if you want to on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And remember, go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. You spend a minimum $2,000 for your loved one, and you also get a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise for two on us. Pick the cruise line. Pick the Caribbean destination, all courtesy of Continental Wholesale Diamonds. And call my friend Andy at 813-282-7375. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday. 